Welcome to the Let's Talk Government podcast, a podcast that is provided for you by the Department of Government at Minnesota State University, Mankato, located in Minnesota in the United States. I am your host, Dr. Pat Nelson, the chairperson of the Government Department. I want to thank you for joining us as we explore different topics about government. Some may be surprising to you and some may not, so please enjoy. Welcome to Episode 17 of the Let's Talk Government podcast helping veterans in the criminal justice system. I'm joined by Luke Wynott and Penny Nelson. Luke has a Bachelor of Science in Program Planning from MSU Mankato and served active duty with the Army and also the National Guard. Luke was deployed during Operation Iraqi Freedom. Penny is a licensed alcohol and drug counselor and served 20 years active duty in the Navy. During those 20 years, Penny served on numerous aircraft carriers during deployments and also worked at bases in Iceland, Spain, and the White House. They both serve as current case managers for the 5th Judicial District Veterans Services Court. So thank you for joining me today. So let's start out. How did your Veterans Services Court start? I think we'll turn to Luke for that. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Pat. Um, it was originally a phone call. I had been working for the Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans. So I was working with um, homeless and at-risk veterans, just providing housing um, and emergency financial assistance and those types of things. So I got a call from Pat McDermott from the county attorney's office in Blue Earth County um, suggesting that he wanted to start a veterans court, which was all new to us at the time. And it was a pretty ambitious plan. He was putting together a team to do, um, to serve Blue Earth, Brown, Fairbolt, Jackson, Martin, Nicollet, and Watanwan counties, and wanted us to be a part of that um, and to take on those case management roles as part of the team. And we were fortunate enough to get that grant and move forward with it, and that's where we've been. So what year was that that you first got that call? Uh, 2013. So we're eight years into this now. So, so yep. why do we need a veteran services court? Why, why would it, we need a special court instead of just leaving them in the mainstream? That's a great question. As uh, Penny also knows, our veterans come back with a big list of problems that aren't necessarily, that are very specific to them and things that they endured while they were in service. And we set up a program specifically designed to help those veterans experiencing those types of mental health disorders, substance abuse problems, and those types of things. So Penny, I'm gonna throw that over to you too. Why do you think we need the Veterans Services Court? Anything else besides what Luke mentioned? Um, I I can speak from experience. Being a veteran, um, you relate more to veterans. It doesn't matter what service you served in, um, which branch of service you served in, you relate to fellow veterans. Um, You have shared experiences, even though they may not be exactly the same, and you can kind of relate. Um, and w- the way that our program is actually structured, we pair you up with a veteran mentor. We try and keep you on the same service, um, um, but sometimes that doesn't work out when we kind of switch you around. But to have somebody that's kind of been there and done that um, and has their own experiences that they can relate to you, it helps out tremendously. And, you know, they, it's kind of like we pair you up with a buddy, um, not because we want you to be best friends, but because we want you to talk to somebody that's not your case 
manager um, because we obviously have our hands full with case management and to have somebody outside of the case management realm that you can talk to about anything. It can be your personal family life, you know, what you're going through at work, school, um, you know, your addiction issues, if you have those mental health, the PTSD, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just somebody in your corner that you can talk to that's not going to judge you and um, they're there to help you and give you as much um, support as they possibly can. So before we kind of talk about your expanded services, let's talk about specifically the court services. So this is a diversion program, obviously. Is there some sort of cycle or um, uh, expectations they have to meet? Do they have different phases? Can someone explain how it's laid out? Luke, do you want to start out with that? Yeah, I can start with some of the services and then I'll kind of let you walk through the, uh, the phases. So we, I mean, we offer one-on-one supervision, which is, is huge for our participants. We found that they, they really, they're more successful if we have that one-on-one approach. We have ready access to the county veteran service officers. We can handle anything that comes through with claims. And a lot of these folks that we see coming through will have things that they qualify for through the VA that they may not have been aware of. So right away, we jump on top of those services, get them qualified. And if they have any injuries or anything occurred in service, we get them to their veteran service officer to fill out the appropriate paperwork and kind of start that claims process. So that when the VA identifies that, you know, those injuries or mental health disorders did occur in service, that we can go on to treat those with the VA services. Um, we have probation services that are also involved in our court. We kind of see ourselves as an extension of that probation service. They also have substance abuse, like I said, mental health, family, and other counseling. So we run into a lot of different problems. And for those family members, it's a huge relief for them that some of these, that the veterans get access to those services in a timely manner. That's probably why they're there in the first place. Um, we do random drug and alcohol testing, and that's something we stay on top of pretty regularly. That's why we do a lot of one-on-one stuff with our participants. We can also do medication monitoring through the VA. We can call and check in with our veteran justice outreach worker to make sure that they're making their mental health appointments, they're meeting with their counselors, and that they're getting the appropriate levels of medications. We also offer employment and housing assistance. So we have a huge team behind us to do that and partners like MACV to take care of all of our housing or any emergency services. And we work with the Workforce Center, has a a veterans outreach person that works directly with us so we can focus on employment. During, while they're doing all those things, that's all kind of how we structure their goals. And I'll let Penny kind of walk us through what those phases look like and how we do the goals. Before Penny takes over, I just want you to clarify a couple of acronyms for our, our, our um, listeners. I know you already mentioned what MACV stands for, but if you could do that one again and what a VSO is. Okay. Yeah. So um, MACV is the Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans, and their job is primarily housing and emergency related services. And a VSO is a veteran service officer, and you will find one of those located in every county office in Minnesota. Thank and, you, that's, and that's the starting point for every veteran. Great. All right. So Penny, tell us about the process. So we work on a phase system. Um, when you first get accepted into veterans court by Judge Betters, our presiding judge, 
Um, I will do my initial intake since I'm the, the primary case manager. Um, so I end up doing a bulk of the case management stuff right now. And that's by design. <laughs> so that's what I excel at. Um, so when I do the initial intake with a new client, I basically figure out where they're at in life and where they want to go and how we're going to get there. Um, it is definitely a work in progress. And as they go through the four phases, there are certain milestones and goals that they must hit. Um, first, there's a time requirement. It's 60 days in phase one, and then it's 90 days um, for the next three phases and up through graduation. Um, but that's like the least of my worries because those are really easy to hit. I mean, you literally just have to be in our program. Um, but if you're not hitting your other goals, you may sit in a phase four in indeterminate amount of time until I basically have to put my foot up your tush, <laughs> putting it nicely and saying, okay, what is the problem? Why are you dragging this out and everything? What do we need to readjust? Um, do we need to wipe out a goal completely and set a new one? or what steps do we take to get you to accomplish this goal? Um, there's some goals that, uh, like I, one of the main goals that I tell everyone to set, because there's eight goals that we actually set when we do an intake and they're, um, they're professional goals. There's one specific to the offense that brought you into veterans court. There's personal goals and there's family goals. So um, obviously uh, we run the whole gamut of the age groups. And so I have people that are already retired. They're never gonna work again. So obviously they don't have to set career goals. Um, but my young guys, they're, they're 20s. They did their couple of years in the service and now they're in my program. I was, I'm like, okay, so what do you wanna do for a career? And they're just like, huh? I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> so, you know, it's definitely a work in progress. Every time um, you start getting close to accomplishing your goals, we're going to look at them and say, okay, do, do we need to adjust fire? Did we accomplish this goal? You know, what do we need to get you to where you want to be and everything? So it is a very fluid process. Um, some people require a lot more um, motivation. <laughs> so, and I would never call myself a cheerleader, but that's kind of what I do. I'm a life coach and I am here to help you succeed. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, and the least that we can do is like give incentives. If you're meeting your goals, we usually do this like if you get new employment, um, if you graduate um, from college, um, if you graduate from treatment, which is a huge one. Not all of our clients um, actually have substance abuse or, or use issues, but those that do, it is huge if you actually complete a treatment program without having any relapses. So that's another thing that we look at when we're moving phases. You know, how long have you been sober um, for? Are you staying in touch with your mentor? Are you keeping in touch with our veterans justice outreach person, Matt Harris, uh, through the VA um, up in Minneapolis? He's a huge resource for the VA and our clients. Um, you know, so it's just like, how active are you being? Are you attending meetings, um, recovery support meetings, like you're supposed to be? Um, because if you go through treatment, there's going to be aftercare requirements. Are you sticking to those or are you making excuses? Oh, I couldn't go because of this, this and this or, oh, I forgot. 
a lot of things are via Zoom right now, thanks to COVID. So there is really no excuse. There, there are literally meetings every hour, 24 hours a day. As long as you have the access code, you can hop on them. So, you know, COVID has been a, a, both a blessing and a curse at the same time because it's made a lot of things more accessible, but it makes it so people have to come up with excuses too at the same time for things that they don't want to do. <laughs> so. so let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts here. Um, how does someone get into Veterans Services Court? Are there any uh, offenses that exclude them that they can't come in? Um, and then is there like a regular court session? Is there a team involved? Why don't we talk about some nuts and bolts there? So let's Luke. start off. How do they get into it? Yeah, as far as eligibility is concerned. So we have posters hanging in all these seven counties inside where they would be booked. And the sign specifically says, have you ever served in the U.S. Armed Forces? Um, and that's where that referral process can start. And that's typically how we get most of our participants is coming through those doors and they'll register and send their referral to our court coordinator, Kevin. And I don't believe that we've ever turned anybody away. Um, so there hasn't been anybody that we specifically sent away for, there's nothing that we can't handle. Well, well I would probably correct that. You probably can't take somebody that committed like murder or something like that, where they know they're going to jail for sure, right? Because this is a- Yeah, absolutely program. correct. Yeah, they have to. exactly. Because <laughs> this right. is a diversion program instead of having to serve jail time. Or, or as part of a sentencing, right? Absolutely. That's correct. Okay. Um, so do you even take people that just do misdemeanors, low level kind of crimes? Yep, absolutely. Uh, felonies down. So we will we'll take anybody. Uh, we get those referrals that come in. Kevin screens them. They bring that to the team. So it's not like it's my decision or Penny's decision, but it'll be sent to the team and they'll make the ultimate decision. Okay. Well, and then most programs, you know, once you're sentenced, you don't see a judge again, that you kind of get just discharged. Do you guys have a different system than that? Absolutely. Yep. So we'll meet twice a month. Um, we do the second and fourth Fridays of each month, unless there's, you know, something with the judge, but that's all worked out in scheduling and that schedule set for the year. Um, so, and then we'll do a pre-court staffing meeting just prior to our court hearings for an hour so that's the time that the whole team comes together and we'll sit and review all those notes from probation, case management, and the veteran justice outreach worker. And we'll go through each individual and maybe redesign or tweak some things along the way. But the judge is incredibly involved with those things so that they, he has those highlighted points and the things that each veteran's going to need to hear um, when they get up there to see the judge. So you truly have membership from all parts of the criminal justice system on this team, right? Do you even have law enforcement officers or sheriffs involved? Yeah, we have everybody. We have the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, um, the county attorneys, human services. The it's Yeah, it's a lot of professionals in one room. We even have a, a defense attorney that can help those individuals prior to going in. So we have a lot of people. So do you guys do anything else besides just case management with your veterans? Any outside events at all? 
we do yeah we do a lot of that stuff so as the years kind of went by we added on things that we saw could help better serve our population one of those things is doing events outside the court getting those veterans together and including their family members in those events and their mentors as well so sometimes we'll do pre-covid we used to do bowling at the wild zone with a meal a lot of these events were either sponsored locally by our service clubs or Wounded Warrior Project. These partnerships that we have, we have a lot of partnerships outside of that as well that kind of help out with those little individual events that we do to kind of keep that camaraderie, keep all those folks together. If everybody's going to be in this community together, we want them to feel and be a part of the community. And we use our outreach events to try to, to try to do that. Did I hear that you probably have an event coming up here soon? We do. Yes, we do. On Wednesday, we'll have a, a fishing event out here on Madison Lake that Wounded Warrior Project is sponsoring. And we'll have up to 25 people out there on the ice all trying to catch fish. Well, good luck with that. So let's talk about your mentor program for a little bit. You know, how does someone become a mentor? Do they have to go through the program or do they have to be affiliated with the program? Talk to me about mentoring. Yeah, so the role of the, the volunteer mentors um, is to kind of coach and guide and be a role model for that veteran as they're coming through. We do have a form that they have to fill out. So they'll have to have, um, you know, a good discharge. They will have to have served in a similar branch as their mentee. So we kind of pair them up like that if we can. We try to find uh, guys and gals that served during the same kind of wartime experience. And we'll match those folks up with someone doing well that's back here and reintegrated. And that veteran mentor really serves as kind of the backbone for that participant coming through to really interpret their experience back to their, to their mentor and get support that way. So you don't have any age requirements as long as they've they've done service in a military branch and have had a successful discharge, right? An, an honorable or successful discharge. Um, so how do they apply to be a mentor? Oh, they reach out to their mentor coordinator and we can take all that information and get them signed up. We usually do a training program once a year, although we've held off on that this year because of COVID. So we've kind of remained with the, the current ones that we have for now, but we are really looking forward to getting those programs fired back up. Well, when we put up the description, um, if there's an email or a link I can put in there, if someone's interested in being a mentor, I'll sh we'll share that. So, all right. So we've got Veterans Court. Has there been a consistent demand even with COVID? Have you guys had a consistent number of participants? Yes. Like that. <laughs> yes. So we, for a while, when COVID first decided to make its lovely appearance, um, we we kind of like put everything in place so that we were doing everything virtually. We weren't having court. We weren't graduating people. We weren't moving phases. It's like we all we're all in suspended animation, um, and we did that for a couple of months, and then we're like, well, how long is COVID gonna last? We can't do this forever. So we started opening it up. Um, um, where we can start graduating people and start moving them through the phases. And we were also taking in new referrals. So we've stayed pretty consistent. Um, we 
we had a big run on um, graduations after we started opening them back up after COVID and we weren't getting any new referrals because we didn't know what was going to happen with COVID. Um, but now it's, it's kind of balanced out. So we currently have 20, I think. <laughs> so and we have new referrals that are pending um, that we're working on. And I have to put this out there. Um, we are, we do cover the entire fifth judicial district, but just because you don't happen to live down here doesn't mean we won't take you. Um, yeah, we, we can work with everyone. <laughs> um, virtual Zoom is like the best thing ever right now because I don't have to make the long trip up to Marshall <laughs> to go see my client that's up there. We have a new referral from somebody up in Zimmerman um, of all places because his charges are down here in Blue Earth County. Um, and yeah, we're willing to work with him because his, his local veterans court won't take him for whatever reason. <laughs> so it's it's just like, yeah, we're willing to work with anyone as long as they're willing to put in the time and, and show up, you know, virtually when we need them to and make the phone calls and do the things that we're asking them. Um, so that kind of makes us unique in the state. Um, everyone is usually just a single county um, court, except for the fifth judicial district and the third judicial district, which is Southeast Minnesota. But they are actually modeling after us because we've been around for so long. So they look really look to us like, how do we do this? And so, but yeah, we're willing to work with everyone that we possibly can. We don't put, we don't discriminate. Let's put it that way. We're like, yeah, come one, come all. We're like the Statue of Liberty of the pro of veterans court. So. And to add to that, I think Penny, that we've graduated participants from about 23 counties at this point. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> so what is the advantage of having your district model versus a single county model? Why, why did we get created as a multiple county district? That's I, a good question. <laughs> yeah. So can, I would just like to say, I think because of where we're at here in southwestern Minnesota, we have a lot of little counties and like one or two people from those counties at the most. And so it didn't make sense for them to have like a single county uh, veterans court. So Blue Earth County is, is where most of our clients are at. So they kind of like said, hey, we can work together with all these counties. And that way it's a bigger buy-in um, for people and it gives them an opportunity. I had somebody that was over in Jackson that just graduated last month and he's willing to be a mentor. I was like, if I ever get somebody out in that area again, yes, I will definitely use you as a mentor, um, you know, but they're so few and far between. So it's just like, okay. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it has its advantages. And one of the things that Kevin told me when I first started doing this case management was, we're the wild, wild west down here, basically. We kind of do whatever the hell we want to, and we don't worry about what the rest of the state is doing and the single county veterans courts because they're doing their own thing and we're sure as hell going to do ours. And ours seems to be working because it keeps going and it keeps expanding. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, we, and to Penny's point, with Blue Earth County kind of being that hub, um, as far as veteran numbers are concerned, Blue Earth County is by and large, we have the most for our region, but to not be able to provide those services as we were setting this up anyway, you know, kind of seemed ridiculous. If we can help a small veteran population on the outskirts, and we have those referrals from each and every one of those small counties. And like I said, we've graduated people from 23 and we were really set up to be able to do that with the amount of staff that we had 
and from just background of doing outreach with MACV was I started with the Southern 40 counties mm -hmm. and having those connections, like I said, with the veteran service officers at like the hub of that to provide services has been an amazing collaboration to get everybody on those outskirts or those people that wouldn't have access to these programs they have access to it and they have, they see us face to face and they can, we can guide them to their veteran service officers easily. And all these other resources that we've talked about, um, we have everything dialed in really quick. So it's, it's easy. It's fast. We can identify the problems very quickly and be boots on the ground and start shaping and changing that veteran's life. The moment that they sign up that paper. So I would imagine just kind of generalizing the veterans you see come into your court, into your program, have a lot more social issues than just the one crime that they're there for. And you spend a lot of time getting them stabilized and healthy and helping them with, with reaching their goals. So that's very interesting. All right. So closing thoughts, what, what do you see of the veteran future of veterans court? Um, do you see anything changing, anything adding uh, let's let, let Penny go first and then we'll uh, wrap up with Luke. So one of the things um, when I did my internship with Luke way back when, <laughs> it seems like it was so long ago, it was actually only a couple years ago. But anyways, um, he asked me what my goals were when I got into the field. And I was just like, you know, I really want to focus on dealing with transitional housing um, for homeless veterans. And so kind of put the bug in his ear and he's a man of his word. And so last April, um, he and the, our venture capitalist actually purchased a the old public um, high school in Winnebago. <laughs> so we are renovating that and um, part of it is going to be transitional housing for homeless veterans, not just participants in the veterans court, but any homeless veterans in the area. And we're doing a veterans resource center and we're gonna see how far this expands. Um, so, and also it is going to be part of my capstone project um, for my master's program, which I start on March 1st, so next Monday. Um, and it kind of like it happened, uh, it, it didn't happen real quick, but it was kind of funny because we already had bought the school and then I got accepted into this master's program and found out I have to do a capstone project. I'm like, well, I'm already, you know, two steps ahead of everyone else because I already know what I'm going to be focusing on. So it'll be the expanded services, you know, we call it one-stop shopping where you can get everything done at one spot instead of having to go to this person for this and this person for that and everything this way, it literally be all in one spot and we can take care of everything for you make your life a lot easier because you have enough going on to worry about let alone trying to piece everything together <laughs> Luke what are your thoughts on this yeah and to expand on that just a little bit like Penny said like we've done a an amazing job trying to bring this thing along over the last eight years and that's our next step is to have that center that's well supervised and well supported so that we can have some of those other services so that we can have some of the big things that really help our vets out is yeah, they might be in here for an offense and they're all justice involved, but as all the problems that everybody faces with family finances, all of those things, those are the classes that we're really looking to continue to offer to help expand our services. So it's not just dealing with the, with the offense, but really to kind of take that whole life approach. And like Penny said, that life coaching 
support and kind of put all that stuff to work because it's also incredibly important. They can be just fine knocking out their goals with the things that they've done for that got them justice involved. But if we don't fix their finances, if we don't help them fix their relationships, it's just a house of cards waiting to fall apart again. And that's what we really focus on is getting them absolutely everything that we know to make them whole again. We want to provide all those services in one spot. And I think we're on the right track to do all that. Well, thank you both. You know, the criminal justice system is supposed to be set up for rehabilitation instead of punishment. And your guys' program really sounds like it's a rehabilitation, helping someone become a functional member of society again after being involved with the justice system. So I appreciate you taking your time to talk with me today about the Fifth Judicial Veterans Services Court. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Government. If you have suggestions for future episode topics or other areas you'd like us to cover, please visit our website at link.mnsu.edu backslash Let's Talk Gov to submit your ideas. Join us every Tuesday for a new episode and thank you for listening.